All right, well, we're in our second week of our dinner conversation series. And as I've thought about the kind of conversations our family had around our dinner table as I was growing up, uh, or wherever our family was hanging out, maybe most specifically with my parents, uh, I remember I had a favorite phrase. My mom reminds me of this all the time. I had a favorite phrase with two small words, and those words were, yeah, but. Yeah, but, as in, Jeff, you have to eat your vegetables. Yeah, but, you know, Jeff, it's time to turn off the TV. Yeah, but, you know, Jeff, you got to do your homework. You got to go to bed or you can't use the car this weekend or make sure you're home by 11. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You know, I love to uh, have a rebuttal or have an argument. Frankly, most of the time I thought they were pretty good. But I like to push back on my parents. And I don't know what that looked like in your home, what your conversations were like. But I think we all do that in some way. When we were kids growing up, we push back on our parents. And that's just one of the many challenges of parenting. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about today. Uh, Parenting dynamics and and the challenges and traps that we can fall into as parents. Now before we get into it, a couple things I want to say. Uh, First, uh, similar to if you were here last week, Mike Krause had said this. Anytime we do a family-oriented series like this, we spend a couple weeks on family dynamics. Uh, We appreciate that everyone comes from a different situation. And everybody's in a different stage of life. But if you're not a parent this morning, I hope that you don't check out right away because I think there's something we can all take away from this conversation. First of all, we've all had parents. We've all been brought up by parents in some way or another. We all know parents and we talk to other parents. Maybe we we know kids who are having different challenges with their parents. And so I hope in what we talk about today, there's something for everybody in how we're going to think about parenting. Now, at the same time, uh, we appreciate that when we have some of these close-to-home conversations, that at times they come with a lot of baggage and a lot of pain. And when you think of parenting situations in your life, whatever your upbringing was like or whatever your parenting experience has been so far, or maybe you're in a place where you've longed to be a parent and it hasn't come to be, if that's you, we want to be sensitive to you. We want you to know we love you. There's no shame here, anything like that. And not only, I think, can this conversation be relevant to all of us, but I pray and I think that it can bring hope to us, especially in the midst of painful or difficult conversations. So if we can stick in this together, I think there's going to be something that we we all can receive through this conversation. Now, finally, uh, this will not come as any surprise, uh, surprise to any of us, and it doesn't take Captain Obvious to point out, but I am not a parenting expert. I am not a parenting expert, and I'm not going to pretend to be. Uh, For those who don't know me, my wife Lindsay and I, we have, uh, we do have kids. We have three kids of our own. I think we've got a photo there uh, we can throw up. It's our daughter Haley uh, and our two boys, Paxton and Beckham. And in the spirit of the game that we played earlier, I guess if there was a trivia question for this photo, it might be uh, which kids ended up cross-eyed after having their goggles on uh, for too long. But uh, yeah, we've got young kids. We're at the early stage of this parenting journey And this morning, I just want to share some learnings, uh, some biblical perspectives that I know have been helpful for me, uh, some mistakes uh, that we maybe are struggling through. All of it, though, as a fellow parent, a fellow journeyer on the road of parenting. So definitely not an expert here, okay? But as we get into it, uh, the approach that we want to take to this morning's message is a bit similar to, to what we did last week, where Mike Krause responded to an article, a very popular article, on marriage that was in the New York Times. Now, the idea for this parenting conversation actually originated uh, from an article that was in McLean's magazine. 
There's an article written uh, just over a year ago in January 2016, and it was called The Collapse of Parenting. The Collapse of Parenting, with the subtitle, Why It's Time for Parents to Grow Up. Now, this article, uh, a few days after it was posted, it went viral. It was shared all over the place. Tons of people were talking about it. McLean's was getting all kinds of reactions on, on their, their website and whatnot. It seemed to be a conversation people were having around their dinner tables. And as is the case, you know, around issues like parenting and whatnot, there was all kinds of reactions. Everything from praise and affirmation, you know, people saying, you know, finally someone's saying what needs to be said, all the way to harsh critique and disagreement and, and everything in between. But when we came across this article, we thought there was something worth tapping into that's relevant today, maybe even at a spiritual level. Now, the big idea of the article is that parents today are no longer performing the functions of parenting. That parents today are no longer actually performing the functions of parenting. That uh, parents, whether they mean to or not, are sort of abandoning their role as parents in the relationship, and now parents are tending to behave more like peers than parents. That primary caregivers are taking off the parenting hat and behaving more like peers with their kids than parents. And the experts in the article would say, this is actually not good for our kids. Now, I don't know if you connect with that idea right away. I don't know what your reaction to it is. Uh, you're welcome to, to read the article for yourself. You can check it out online. We posted it on Facebook earlier this week. But as I thought of it for myself, and even in our young stage of parenting where Lindsay and I are at, I thought I could relate to that dynamic of at times wanting to, to remove the parenting hat and maybe even treating my young kids a little bit more like parents or like peers than, than in a parent and child dynamic. Now, parenting is hard right from the get-go. And I think there's a few reasons for that. When you think about it, the institution of parenting is one of the craziest institutions in the world. Our our society is pretty up in arms these days about how someone gets into a prominent position of power. I think we're aware of that. There's lots of stuff going on in politics and whatnot these days. But when you think of the, the parenting role, the parenting institution, uh, to become a parent and have this direct control and influence over the life of another human being, not to mention have the responsibility for their, their survival, and these are people who will eventually be the, the next generation of our society, there is no screening process. There are no interviews. There's no process to determine legitimate candidates. There's no election. There's no Senate confirmation. There's no reference checks. It can kind of just happen in the way that we know that it happens. And not only is there no screening process, but when you actually become a parent, there's no agreed-upon training manual. And there's no one-size-fits-all course that you can take that's going to make sure you're, you're prepped to be an expert parent. You just drive home from the hospital with this little bundle smothered somewhere in the car seat that took you three hours to install, and then you get home and you take over. And it's your responsibility to make this child survive and hopefully thrive. And it's an overwhelming feeling, at least that's what I remember it feeling like when we first took Haley home from the hospital. Now, not only does nobody know what they're actually doing with an infant the first time they come home, I think there are uh, some pressures in our society that are very real today that also uh, are creating this problem that the McLean's article spoke to, the collapse of parenting. 
I think there's, there's pressures about all of the opinions that are out there, about the many decisions a parent has to make. And if you get any one of them wrong, how you might mess up your kid's life or, or ruin any opportunity for a healthy relationship with them in the future. You know, there's blogs and there's books and there's chat rooms and there's chatter on the schoolyard and at the hockey rink and in all of your social circles about what it takes to get parenting right. Everything from making sure you have the right stroller or the right car seat, you know, to figuring out whether you're going to use the baby backpack or the baby wearing system or, you know, should you get your kids the flu shot or can, can they eat meat or do you need to go vegetarian or how do you determine which oils are essential and which ones are not essential? You know, as they get a little bit older, school choices. Is it going to be private school, homeschool? Uh, do they need to go to Montessori school? Is it French immersion or English school? You know, can you sign up for swimming and piano lessons at the same time as gymnastics? Uh, you know, all of these challenges, even, you know, are you going to get more family photo likes on Facebook or Instagram? All of these big decisions that parents are pressured with in our society. And I think there's an anxiousness that it creates, a fear of getting it wrong, that is leading parents to abandon the functions of parenting, to take off their parenting hat and behave more like a peer with their kids than a parent. And once again, the, the McLean's, the experts cited in the McLean's article would say, this is actually not good for our kids. There's something that they're going to miss. And I think the Bible would say something similar. So this morning, to respond to, to that problem and respond to that article, uh, we want to look at two biblical, whoa, excuse me. There we go. We want to look at two biblical dynamics of parenting. And as I was trying to grab my trusty marker here, we're going to get ready for some artwork that will help us frame this conversation and hopefully help it stick in our memory a little bit as we map some of this out. And so I've got uh, what is a very compelling picture here of the larger character who's going to serve as our parent. They're a little bit stressed out, as you can see. And then we've got Johnny or Jenny, child down here. They're happy-go-lucky and feeling good down here as we map out these two parenting dynamics. So the first one we want to talk about is a parent's responsibility to actually fulfill their role as parent. In direct response to this collapse of parenting problem, the first thing a parent needs to do is actually embrace their role, to fulfill their role as parent. And we want to talk about what the Bible, how the Bible speaks to the fulfilling of this role. And the first thing we're going to look at uh, comes from Psalm 127, and it's about owning the parent-child dynamic. Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to young parents are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the one whose quiver is full of them. First tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. And the first thing we need to think about is how God has set up the parent-child dynamic to work. And that children are this, this gift and this benefit and blessing to the parents. And not the other way around. That that's sort of the default, uh, the default structure. And I think sometimes we confuse that and we flip that on its head. And it's not to say that that's the whole story. That, that parents are just for their kids' enjoyment. Or kids are just for their parents' enjoyment. We'll get to the rest of the story. But I think it's sometimes a missing ingredient for us. Now I also want to say that this verse when it says children are a gift from the Lord or a reward from him, it's not saying that, you know, 
If you have kids or you don't have kids, it's because of some reward dynamic with God. It's just painting this picture of the joy, like a warrior with arrows in his quiver, the joy that kids are to bring to their parents. And so we need to start by owning this dynamic of the parent and child relationship if we're going to fulfill our role. Now, secondly, when it comes to owning our role, we need to do so in a loving fashion. To fulfill our role as parents, we need to own our role in a loving fashion. Now, you might say this goes without saying, because I think any of us would agree that a parent's first job is to love their kids like crazy. If there's anyone here today who uh, that wasn't your experience growing up, your parents, they didn't really have those kinds of intentions and treat you in a loving fashion, I want to say I'm sorry, and I know those wounds must be very deep. And I hope that a community like this is a place where some of those wounds can heal because I think we all know uh, that a parent's job is to love their kids well. But love is a very dynamic thing, a very broad thing. So what does it look like to do that? Uh, There's lots of things we could talk about and and around here we'd say looking at the life of Jesus is the best way to see what it means to love someone else. Uh, But when it comes to a parent-child dynamic, there's there's one thing I want to focus on that I think can help us love our kids and I think it relates to this collapse of parenting problem. We'll look at just a short half verse from Ephesians 6 verse 4. The first half of that verse, it says, parents do not exasperate your children. Parents do not exasperate your children. What, is, what does it mean to exasperate someone? I think it's when we, we relate to them in a way that makes them feel bitter, frustrated, stressed, worn out, wound up, and, and it says, parents, don't do that to your children. We can't exasperate our kids. If we're going to own our role in a loving fashion, we can't exasperate them. And I think it's easy to fall into an exasperation trap these days. A few ways, a few things that come to mind if we're going to avoid that. The first is that we can't live vicariously through our kids. Don't live vicariously through your kids or I think that you'll exasperate them. Don't uh, Try to have them do everything you, just you want them to do or you would want to do. You can't just have them do everything you wish you did as a kid. Our son Paxton, he's five and he started, uh, he played hockey for the first year of this season and I grew up playing hockey. I love hockey. So fun to get him into it, be on the ice coaching with him. And I can already feel that temptation and pressure to really push him and want him to have extra ice times and start fantasizing about the NHL dreams. And I know I'm crazy in that regard. And so I need to ease up on that because he's just a kid and he doesn't want to go on the ice for too many extra times, even though he loves it. So I can't live vicariously through him. As well, we can't uh, unfairly pressure our kids to be just like us, to just fit our mold because some characteristics of our kids are going to be similar to us and some we're not going to know where they came from. But we we need to adapt to who our kids are made to be. We also can't overly abandon our kids to screens and media. We live in a digital age, and that, uh, that's not all bad. Um, but it's easy to default to the TV or video game babysitter and just plunk our kids in front of screen so that we can avoid doing the role of parenting. And I think, as much as they enjoy that sometimes, it's not good for them, and it is exasperating. So well, we don't want to over-busy them with programs and activities, having them move at such a pace that we can't keep up with, they can't keep up with, and the family can't, can't keep up with. And finally, when it comes to loving our kids well and not exasperating them, I'd encourage us with our kids to say yes as often as we can. There are times where we need to say no, sort of set those boundaries. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I think sometimes we say no when what we really mean is, oh, I don't feel like it. 
Or if I say yes, that's going to be a lot of work for me. Or yeah, if I say yes now, you know, I'm going to have to negotiate what that means for your brother and sister. And, and then I'm going to have to do what? I'm going to have to parent them. And that's part of the work that we are to do. So say yes as often as you can to your kids. I think that's one of the ways we can love them well and avoid some of these traps. Now to fulfill our role, we've got to own it. We've got to do it in a loving fashion. And thirdly, we need to lead our kids in a vision for life. We need to do the work of leading and instructing and guiding and giving our kids a vision for the life that we believe that God wants them to live, not just leaving them to fend for themselves. Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says this. It says, Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way they should go. This is the kind of leading. This is just one bite-sized example of the kind of leading we need to do with our kids. We've got to do the hard work of training them, of teaching them, of coaching them, of showing them how to live. And what's beautiful about this proverb is it gives us the hope that that instruction will stick with them throughout their lives. Now this says, you know, train up the child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I don't believe this verse is sort of a magic formula or an automatic thing, because we all know there are parents in our community who have done that. They've trained up their kids really well. And as their kids grew up and became adults, they're not necessarily on the path that they had hoped for. And that's not your fault because kids grow up and they get to make their own decisions. But the wisdom here is that we can hope for that and we can pray for that. And uh, one of the most helpful things I ever heard about this verse, it was early on when we first became parents, a friend had said, you can actually translate this verse to say, train up a child according to their bent. Train up a child according to their bent, meaning you need to tailor and customize your training to your child's personality. You need to know what's special or unique about them and customize the training plan to fit their personality. I think of our kids, you know, we're still figuring this out. But Haley at age seven, right now she's all about fairness and rightness. Everything has to be fair and everything has to be kind of black and white. Part of training her these days is helping her realize that life isn't always fair. And not everything is as black and white as she wants it to be. But we can affirm those values because those are great desires for justice and for right living. With Paxton uh, these days, it's all about play. He wants to play with us all the time. Play Lego, play mini sticks, play Wii, whatever it is. And that's kind of the life of a five-year-old. But we also have to teach him that life isn't just all fun and games and all play. We got to finish our meal. We got to do our homework. We got to do our reading, have a shower, get into bed. But it's important that we attentively invest in that playtime so that we have that credibility and that training access with him. With Beckham, our three-year-old, uh, just this week, uh, Lindsay texted me when I got into work saying, Beckham jumped off the top bunk of our, our boys' bunk beds, landed right on his face, had a bloody nose, cried for just a moment, and then was fine because he's such a tough kid. And he does seem to be a pretty tough kid, and he's pretty adventurous these days. And it's probably wise of us to teach him that you don't want to jump off the top bunk sort of face first. But at the same time, I don't want to squash his adventurous spirit. So we've got to learn to train up our children according to to their bent. So this is the first spiritual dynamic, the biblical dynamic of parenting that we wanted to talk about. What it takes for a parent to fulfill their role as parent by owning their role in a loving fashion and leading their kids. Now the second dynamic that we want to talk about, uh, it applies a little bit more to the kids' role in the equation. And so kids in the room, 
uh, I'd encourage you to listen up because this stuff is very important for you. But what I don't want us to miss is that it's the parent's responsibility to instill in their child the child's role in the dynamic. We are to fulfill our role as parents and we're to instill in our children their role as kids. So how do we do that? Uh, We'll start by looking at one of the Ten Commandments, some of the earliest instructions uh, in the Bible. From Exodus 20, verse 12. It says this, Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. The first thing we need to instill in our kids is a sense of honor for authority, for structure, for their need for parental guidance, that they would honor that dynamic. This is kind of the yin to the yang of a parent owning their role, a child being instilled honor, to honor this dynamic. And very early on in these, these what's normally referred to as the Ten Commandments, as God is painting this picture for a, a whole and healthy life, Within the top five, this is number five, is honor your father and mother. And remember, we're all a kid of somebody, and so it's important to remember that dynamic. Now, secondly, the second thing we need to instill in our kids is a listening posture. That they would listen to their parents. From Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, So, my child, pay attention to your father's guidance, and do not ignore what your mother taught you. Wear their wisdom as a badge of honor and maturity, as fine jewelry around your neck. Right here we have this biblical instruction to kids to listen to your parents. And what's cool about this, this this book of Proverbs, this ancient wisdom book, uh, right at the beginning it actually says that wisdom begins with God. But here just a few verses later in that first chapter, it again affirms this parent-child dynamic and says, kids, you got to listen to your parents. And it doesn't say just listen to experienced parents or fun parents uh, or interesting parents. It says listen to your father. Don't neglect the teaching of your mother. And obviously there's going to be exceptional cases where uh, there's a negative experience in the dynamic. And as kids grow, their discernment has to grow. And it doesn't mean that they're never going to speak out or ask questions or, or push back to some extent. But the posture needs to be one of listening. And finally, when we instill honor in our kids and a listening posture, that translates into their actual behaviors. And they learn to obey. We'll look here at Ephesians 6, uh, where the Apostle Paul connects this idea of obedience and honoring your father and mother. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Once again, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, and so that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Kids, obey your parents. Now, now this concept, obedience, I think is is fairly easy to get our heads around, and I don't think I need to convince any of the parents in the room that they want to instill obedience in their kids. They want their kids to listen to them. So for a moment, let me have a heart-to-heart with any of the kids in the room. And again, we're all a kid of somebody, but particularly those maybe living at home, still under their, their parents' guidance. You know that thing where your parents uh, sometimes say, you know, you'll thank me when you're older or this hurts you more than it hurts me or, or sorry, other way around. This hurts me more than it hurts you when they're trying to apply discipline. Let's be honest, that stuff drives you crazy, right? I remember as a kid that driving me crazy thinking you have no idea what I'm feeling or thinking. 
There's no way I'm going to thank you for this when I'm older. I'm going to do it so differently than you did it. There's no way this could hurt you more than it hurts me because I'm not getting to do what I want to do. I get what that feels like. I remember what that feels like. And here's the thing. As I've grown up some, now have kids of my own, I'm increasingly having an understanding of what's going on there and what really your parents are trying to do beyond whatever the issue is. With our kids right now, it's stuff like eat your vegetables, do your homework, go to bed on time, say sorry to your brother and sister, clean up, you know, after a mess or whatever. As I get older, I know it's going to be, you know, rules around cell phone use, that kind of thing, conversations about dating, you know, vehicles, curfews, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what the issue is in your house right now, But when your parents are trying their hardest to get you to obey, what they're trying to do is instill character in you. Help you grow in your maturity and your integrity as you learn what it's like to to listen to instruction. And those things are a real gift. Those are the things that come with that promise of a, a full life, of a fuller experience of life. So kids in the room, my encouragement to you as a kid that can relate to what you're talking about or what you feel in those moments is to try to graciously receive that gift and understand what your parents are doing as they try to instill that kind of maturity in you. So these are the dynamics that sort of the Bible lays out for us of a parent needing to fulfill their role, overcoming the collapse of parenting, and take responsibility to instill in our kids their role. And a couple things I say, I, I'd say, I know this creates tensions and it's, it's challenging at all the different stages. First of all, There's some great material you can look at called the five stages of parenting. I don't have time to get into it right now, but we can post it online or you can get it from us. It talks about how you have to look at parenting through a slightly different lens, through all the stages from birth to adulthood. And it gives a really helpful framework of how you can filter this content, whatever stage you find yourself at. As well, I think it's very important that as parents, we talk about this stuff with our kids. We actually engage our kids in the parenting conversation. Jeff Lockyer said, as we were thinking about this message, that it would be wise for parents to parent overtly with their kids and not covertly. Meaning you talk about these strategies. You talk about what you're going to try to do. Talk about the expectations with your kids. Talk about where you feel confident and where you're worried you're going to struggle. You're honest with your mistakes. You don't just create the strategies in the back room covertly and then put your game face on and do your best. Engage your kids in the process and I think they'll respond really well and you'll learn a lot from each other. As well, Uh, Don't parent alone. Do this in community. We believe quite literally that it takes a village to raise a child. And so lean on other adults. Talk to other parents. Talk to other families. You know, come to environments like this. Maybe you need to join a life group that's doing a a parenting curriculum or a mom's group or a dad's group. Don't be afraid to get your your kid in relationship with with other adults that you trust. You know, someone that you trust, you know that will have their back, maybe a, a coach or an aunt, or an uncle, or a a family friend, or maybe a youth pastor. It's such a great way for a kid to have an influence uh, with a different perspective. An adult who can actually have a bit more of that peer-to-peer dynamic with your kids. I think those are some of the ways we can manage the tensions and the challenges that come at all the different stages of these two parenting dynamics, fulfilling and instilling our role. But finally, uh, as we wrap up this morning. I think the most important thing to this whole parenting challenge, this whole collapse of parenting, and the thing that can apply to all of us, I think has to do with our relationship to God. 
We talk about the collapse of parenting, parent, parents choosing the peer-to-peer dynamic rather than the parent-child dynamic. I wonder sometimes how much have we done that with God as well? And how has that not been good with us? Good for us? Have we abandoned the role of our, that the spiritual parent wants to play in our lives? Because you see, this model actually comes from the way in which God wants to relate to us, wants to wrap his parenting all around us, fulfilling his role as parent and instilling in us our role as his kids. That is exactly what he's longing to do. So how much are you making space for God to parent you in your life? How much are you letting him own his role because he'll do it perfectly? How much are you letting him love you in however he's going to guide and instruct you because he's got a great vision for our lives? Are you seeking to honor him by listening and obeying what he says? Listening uh, through his word, through environments like this, through other people, through prayer. And when you hear what God says, when you sense what he's speaking into your life, do you respond? Do you change your priorities? Do you confess of mistakes when you make them? How much are you letting God be your spiritual parent? Because all of this comes from that model. The model that he wants to interact with in our lives. The the way he wants to fulfill his role as parent and instill in us our role as kids. And frankly, as much as we can learn from this framework, we're not going to get it right all the time. We're going to make mistakes and we can be gracious with one another and I think we can find freedom in that. But the best thing we can do is look to our spiritual parent in those tough times in those yelling matches, when those doors get slammed, when the silent treatment gets enacted? Could we let our spiritual parent parent us so that we can be the parents that we want to be? You know, for me, uh, when I'm not parenting well, when I may be feeling a bit stressed and anxious and I find myself yelling more than I want to, having a quicker temper than I want to, you know, being on autopilot with my kids and not really engaging or interacting. Uh, I, I actually found myself there recently, just a couple of weeks ago, when I was thinking about this talk that I'm going to give to try to share some amount of parental wisdom. And I needed to lean in to my spiritual parent. For me these days, that looks like just taking, making enough space to be quiet before God and remember the role that he wants to play in my life. And I sense God sort of put on my heart uh, sort of this, this thought that in the earliest parts of the Bible, in the earliest parts of the scriptures, what was interesting throughout the stories is God would reveal himself to people. At times it was tough for them to name him, to give God a name. There's lots of names that were given, but it was tough to sort of nail that down. And, and really the best that they came up with in the Old Testament is the one who is, the one who exists. God who says he's I am. That was how they described him. But when Jesus came along, and uh, we believe that Jesus is the fullest picture, the clearest picture and full manifestation of what, who God is and what God is really like. And when Jesus came along, guess what name he said we could refer to God as? He said that we could call God Daddy. That we could reach out and call him Daddy. And I believe that the heart of God, the Spirit of God, is equally represented as Mommy. That we have a spiritual mommy and daddy that is more than capable of fulfilling his role. 
And he has our absolute best interests in mind. And he is so eager to instill in us our role of following him, helping us follow Jesus into the life that he has for us. If we'll just allow him to do that, turn to him and do that. I don't know what your story is and your parenting experience has been. We all have our own stories and experiences. Maybe for you, you know, you didn't have a good experience with your parents. You were neglected, you were abused, you were wounded pretty deeply. You know, maybe you've made some, some big mistakes as a parent, caused quite a bit of damage. Maybe it hasn't been fully repaired and the relationship with your kids isn't great. Maybe you're a single parent and all credit to you. You're doing the courageous job of trying to manage it all on your own, but you're, you're up to your neck in trying to make all of this stuff work. Maybe you have a kid who just isn't making life easy. You're doing your best to do the training, but they're not really living up to their side of the deal these days. Maybe some of us have lost a child somewhere along the way. And that opportunity to parent has been stolen away from us, and, and this creates a lot of heartache. Maybe, I know there's some people here, that all you have ever longed for is to be a parent yourself. And it hasn't come to be, and with a pain and a, a despair that very few of us understand that I know that I don't fully grasp, you're just, you're hurting inside. And you're wishing you could, you could start enacting this stuff as a parent yourself. Guys, wherever we're at, we need to know that there is a parent we can turn to. There is a parent we can count on who will always be there. A daddy, a perfect daddy who will never leave us or forsake us. And he is there graciously, compassionately, lovingly, kindly ready to, to just wrap himself around us and show us his love as the perfect father that he is. So guys, what's the secret to parenting? There's no magic formula. I hope some of this stuff helps us out. But I believe it starts with tapping into the parent who will perfectly fulfill his role, is eager to perfectly instill in us our role, and who is in the business of redeeming any of our, the brokenness in our fathers and mothers and any of the brokenness in our fathering and mothering him if we will just allow him. We'll turn to our daddy and our spiritual parent. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, daddy, I thank you for all of the families and all of the people represented here in our church. And we all have a different story and all of a different background. But thank you that the one constant is that you are there for us. That you love us. And that you want to be the perfect parent in our lives. And that that is the model that we can follow to then be the best parents that we can be. So you help us along the way. So I pray this morning that we would open up our hearts to you that we would reach out to you as our spiritual daddy, our spiritual mommy. We would trust you with our lives. We would align our lives and our priorities to you. We would be your kids the way that we are called to. And we would experience your incredible love as a result, God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.